Okay, love this episode. This week we're featuring David Flanagan. When it comes to the knee, he's your guy. As far as I'm concerned, when it, when it's non-orthoplasty, when David Flanagan talks or is involved in a project, I want to know about it. He's an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine knee specialist out of the Ohio State University, where he's also the director of the cartilage restoration program there and is an associate professor. You know, we talk about some really important things. This episode in particular is really a great educational program on what's current and happening around the knee. We talk about cartilage research and what's available and how we're hopefully going to have some new ideas coming down the pipeline so that we could potentially even avoid uh, metal at the time of surgical intervention. We talk about the importance of orthobiologics and its role hopefully one day being commercialized so that our patients' uh, insurance companies will pay for it. One of my favorite topics is the Moon Group, uh, and David was one of the earliest adopters or earliest members of the Moon Group, which is the Multicenter Orthopedic Outcomes Network, which is this amazing large network of physicians that are gathering information on ACL reconstruction, so really helps guide us as to what are the, you know, the best decisions for our patients. We talk about the bare moon, which is really one of my uh, real great interests at this point, which is the bridge enhanced ACL. And with the moon study, they're comparing it to the patellar tendon graft. I love that. And then he's got this new device, the MoxiMed Misha device, which is literally a shock absorber for the knee. So you don't have to have a knee replacement. It goes in and it takes the pressure off of your knee. Super cool new device. Not any, unlike anything I've seen in 25 years of orthopedics, you're going to love this episode. Hashtag follow the fro. At Koha Health, our goal is empowering your practice to achieve total financial health. We understand this looks different for every practice, which is why the Koha solutions are tailored to fit your needs. Our Koha Health team is here to guide your practice success by improving your financial process so you can collect all the cash you are owed, providing a great patient experience, and creating your plan for what comes next for you and your partners. Through open communication, this creative application of technology and a love for efficient processes, Koha ensures that you reach the next great milestone. You've built your practice. Let us help you build its future. To learn more, visit koahealth.com. That's K-O-H-A health.com. From medical media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of The Ortho Show podcast where everyone knows we bring you the best of the best in the orthopedic world. And we are really excited today. We have Dr. David Flanagan, who's the uh, orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine and knee specialist and team physician for the Ohio State University, where he's also the director of the Ohio State Cartilage Restoration Program and associate professor of Department of Orthopedics as well. David, it is a pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Scott. I'm so uh, happy to be here. Now, you know, when I think of knees right now in the United States, I think of David Flanagan, outside of arthroplasty, of course, but you you are everywhere and everywhere that needs to be on all of the coolest and latest stuff. So, so happy to have you on the program. We always like to start from the beginning. You're definitely 
based on your 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 uh, educational background, you are a Midwesterner. So tell <laughs> tell us where you were born and bred, and, and the story of why you went into orthopedics. Yeah, boy, that's a that's a long story. I'll try to make it uh, a little bit entertaining. But you know, I grew up outside of Chicago in the some of the suburbs, um, and. I grew up uh, uh, with uh, three other brothers, so we were all competitive and all played sports and played football and uh, also a grandson of a, a Swedish immigrant. So, you know, one of the things that kind of really imparted uh, to me early on was just, uh, you know, work hard. Um, and, I, you know, I saw that with my grandfather, my dad, and just, you know, uh, you do everything you can and, 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 you know, work towards the American dream as my, uh, my grandfather did. So, please go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, so, you know, my, my love for just taking care of people and patients came from, from my, my grandfather. And he, he had, uh, as you can imagine, just uh, um, a lot of the, the orthopedic problems that we typically see, bad knees and uh, bad hands, bad shoulders. He was a, a, flora, a florist and uh, worked on his uh, feet all of his uh, uh, days. And so it really kind of caught up to him. So, you know, many, many days I would take him to the physicians and, and take him to the doctor's appointments. And I kind of left that going, you know, I, I need to give back and, and, and help someone like my grandfather. And so re- realistically, it, it, it kind of started there. And I, I was really blessed with uh, my college education, just having some great experiences, some injuries, all my brothers had injuries, you know, in, in, in uh, football and uh, kind of led me towards uh, really an interest in orthopedics based on some of the uh, uh, shadowing I had done. And so um, again, just uh, by circumstance, uh, my wife's uh, father's best friend uh, was one of the previous uh, presidents of the Arthroscopy Association here in North America, and that was uh, Dr. Whit Ewing. And I remember prior to getting uh, married with uh, my wife, he kind of sat down. And he's like, so you really want to go to orthopedics? I said, yes. He goes, well, here's, here's the cookbook. Here, here's what you need to do. And that really kind of set the path for me in, in my medical school education. And I was able to see that to uh, fruition and getting into a, a phenomenal residency program at uh, Northwestern as well. So in a nutshell, that's how I got here, Scott. Yeah, well, that's a common story, you know, from a lot of our from a lot of our guests, uh, certainly sports injuries, you know, sort of drew us into orthopedics. And then it sounds like you married into a mentor, which that certainly helps, you know, to be able to have that and to have a uh, a past president of Anna be able to give you advice and counsel. So obviously it all helped and worked. And uh, so you got, you, you made your way back to Chicago where you got into an amazing residency at Northwestern. That must've been a tremendous uh, time period for you as well. Oh, it was. And I, I'm so grateful for uh, my wonderful mentors that I had at Northwestern. And um, I, I really uh, attest a lot of where I am today, just from, from that education and then kind of moving forward. All right. So I'm a little confused here and I'm, I'm going to hold you to this. You know, yeah. I have a sophomore that's at, at University of Wisconsin. I'm going to Madison this weekend for Father's Day weekend for the fraternity. I'm going to watch the big game. But, you know, you go into a sports fellowship at University of Wisconsin, yeah. <laughs> but yet you're destined to go to Ohio State. I mean, what was the timing of that? That had to have been a little, uh, you know, people get a little antsy on you there. What was that all about? Yeah. So, again, Wisconsin was wonderful for, for me and uh, really had, again, great mentors there. Um, I grew up, believe it or not, a Buckeye fan. My, my father uh, grew up in uh, Ohio here. And so even though we were in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, we had that Ohio State flag up every Saturday uh, amongst probably all the other other flags were like Notre Dame around us. So just kind of, you know, it was a little bit hostile with some of that. But 
but uh, we grew up uh, Buckeye fans. And so honestly, when I uh, finished my fellowship at Wisconsin, I was more in private practice out here in Ohio um, and really didn't land this wonderful job till about a year and a half into practice. And uh, it's been, you know, history since. Okay. So they, so that's good to know. They didn't send you as a spy no. out to Wisconsin <laughs> to sort of learn all the techniques and bring them back to Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, that big 10 is competitive, man. I'll tell it you, is. It, it really is. is. I love it though. It's funny when Caleb, my, uh, one of my sons was thinking about college. He was big 10 the whole way. It was like, he wasn't sure where it came down to Ohio state and Wisconsin got into both. And at the end, decided to go to the lake and went to uh, Wisconsin. But uh, I'm sure he'll be listening for sure as well. So listen, let's uh, let's get into the nitty gritty because there's some stuff that you're doing, which I really find fascinating. And we're going to use this uh, program today to help educate a lot of our listeners. And really, when it comes to to knee, the knee world, the non-arthroplasty knee world, if you want to get something done and, and you don't have David Flanagan on your team, it ain't going to happen. So you're doing a lot of great stuff. Let's start off with cartilage. You know, you're the director of the Ohio State Cartilage Restoration Program. You know, we get it all the time. Hey, doc, you know, why do you got to put this metal in my knee? Why can't you put something in there and grow my cartilage back so I don't need a knee replacement? So what's cool and new in cartilage right now that you're getting excited about? Oh, boy, I think there's a lot. I think, uh, you know, for, for the most part, we've almost had four things forever, right? So that would be you know, our normal microfracture, our OATS procedure, we're kind of steal a plug from one where put it in another uh, place and osteochondrolographs, you know, thank goodness for a lot of people who donate their, uh, you know, uh, bodies towards medicine and once they pass away where we can use those great gifts to help a lot of patients. And then kind of cell base, which is our, our Macy, our matrix autologous chondrocyte implantation. So those have been kind of our four pillars forever. But what's great is to see all the innovation that is coming down the pipeline and what are some other options that we have. And some of those are cell-based. You know, there's going to be some, I think, competitors in the future, we hope, uh, you know, based on some of these trials to where that can maybe bring some of the cost of these things down a little bit, which will be really exciting. There's also a lot of other great one-stage procedures that are um, kind of looked at in a lot of these trials as well, uh, where we're looking at, can we add something like our, our bone marrow with a scaffold? And can we put that into that cartilage defect? And can that potentially regenerate some uh, a tissue that uh, can help, uh, again, fill that pothole for some time? And I think one of the other ones that was just FDA approved that we were part of that clinical trial as well is the uh, um, cardi heels, taking a coral plug, right? And putting that in some of these defects and even some of these areas of uh, early to mid arthritis and seeing some, some you know, uh, cartilage kind of grow into those areas or some uh, uh, neocartilage. And so I think that that can be uh, really beneficial for giving us a lot of options to take care of our patients some that are just starting to get on the market and some in the future that I think we're going to have a lot of uh, unique options uh, for our patients. Yeah, that's awesome. So again, for our listeners, we like to educate everybody and Judy's listening, everybody knows. So, you know, cartilage doesn't grow back for whatever reason. It doesn't have good blood uh, supply. The cells are deep inside of this matrix. And when you lose your cartilage, there's really no way to grow the cartilage back. So we have these things. You can drill holes in the bone and stimulate some new cartilage. Uh, you can you can take up the hair plugs for men. You can take a piece of cartilage of bone from some other place in the knee and move it over. Or you can take a piece of cartilage of bone that someone's donated. And then we can grow your cells outside of the body and be able to put them back in. So those are the four pillars that you were describing. You know, it's interesting. I think that you know one day we're going to get somewhere, someplace that we will be able to 
put in an, an antibody with a piece of cartilage attached to it and we'll learn how to grow it, but we're still sort of in the infancy. But it's great to know that at programs such as yours at the Ohio State, with along with the, you know, the FDA associated uh, with this, uh, that we're we're trying these new processes to be able to to uh, get new things going. So really kudos to you as far as that's concerned. We really appreciate all of your efforts there. Another big term, and you brought it up, was the bone marrow aspirate. So, you know, orthobiologics is still all the rage. Uh, we get patients coming in all the time asking us about it. You know, what can we do to get rid of our pain and regrow things and regenerate? So, you know, what, where are you in orthobiologics right now? One of the big questions that we always get is, when is it going to be commercialized? When is, when's the insurance, Dr. Flanagan, going to pay for this so I don't have to pay out of pocket? What's your wisdom there for our listeners as to, as to where you see we're going with this? Oh, yeah, I wish, I, I wish Scott, I had the answer for that. And um, boy, I'll tell you, probably the area that we, we've used the most here at Ohio State is, is PRP, platelet-rich plasma. And so for all the listeners, it's, it's kind of harvesting your platelets, which have all these growth factors kind of packed in these little granules. I mean, it's, it's like this magic, magic little stuff that we have floating around in our bodies. And we kind of concentrate that and we kind of let the, let those granules kind of uh, release and they have all these good growth factors and they can help change the environment in a lot of areas where we have problems, right? So whether it's, you know, arthritis or, uh, whether it's some inflammation with some tendons. And so obviously there's lots of different research that's still going on in that area, but we, we use that a lot for some of our arthritic patients. Unfortunately, as you said, it's just not covered by insurance. Um, you know, when at some point, as we get more and more evidence out there, you hope that that's where insurance companies will say, you know what, this is actually uh, worthwhile for us to uh, reimburse. It's cost-effective. It's helping our patients. Um, and I think that we'll see that as, as the evidence continues to grow. But, you know, there was a setback, as you know, Scott, uh, not too long ago with the FDA. The FDA kind of came down pretty hard on saying, you know what, we need better evidence in this area before we have the Wild West, right? So we don't want everyone doing all these things with no evidence um, that could also potentially harm people. So, you know, a lot of some of these technologies have taken a little bit of a step back as they have to now go through that whole FDA process of randomized controlled trials to show the efficacy so that, again, it can be used uh, on patients and in, in commercially, hopefully at some point too. So, um, you know, we got a lot of interesting areas that whether it's, uh, you know, some of the placental tissue and some of the amnion products, uh, which also have a lot of these growth factors that can really help patients. And um, I think that those are going to be, again, seen again in the future once they get through their uh, FDA trials. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I think that's what it's going to take, right? You're going to have to go through the arduous process of a pre-market approval, FDA trial, randomized controlled trials. And unfortunately, it's a lot of money. I mean, you know, it's tens of millions of dollars to run, you know, the powered studies that are required to be able to prove this. And then when you're all done, the FDA is really making you do it for a single indication right? So you pick an indication and let's say it's knee arthritis, right? But it's not necessarily going to be approved for shoulder arthritis or hip arthritis. So it's really, you know, it could be, a, it's a struggle bus for us to be able to try and figure this out. But thankfully, you know, we have docs like yourself in the academic setting, which can cross over with industry to be able to do what's required with through grants and other ways to be able to help prove this. So great work that you're doing there at the Ohio State program. We really greatly appreciate it. One of the other things that you're really a, a part of, which I truly admire, 
Uh, and that's the Moon Group, which is the multi-center orthopedic outcomes network, which was established specifically for ACL reconstruction. So do us a favor, because I don't think a lot of our listeners are aware of this, and it's such an important group. Talk to us about who's in the group, what you're doing, and what the latest uh, information is that's coming out. Yeah, so I, I probably will, will not be able to name everyone that is in it because we, we actually have such a great network. And I was, again, pretty blessed uh, as a uh, young faculty coming in here at 2005, where I was kind of adopted into this group, which had just kind of formed a few years uh, earlier. Um, but it really has pioneers throughout our whole United States in ACL surgery. And these kind of stay, uh, initially started at certain academic centers. It was Cleveland Clinic. It was Vanderbilt, it was here at Ohio State, it was HSS, Iowa, um, to name a few. And so all these great physicians kind of said, you know what, we need to look at ACL surgery a little bit better. And the only way we're gonna do that to really kind of prove the point of how people do and is what we're doing making a difference and what are potentially some of the best graft choices? What are um, uh, our outcomes that we can expect? Are we really kind of helping prevent uh, further injury? Are we really able to get people back towards sport? So it really took, you know, um, a power, you know, that power of a group to come, to come together. And I remember Kurt Spindler, who was kind of the spear master for Moon, saying, hey, we have to chuck our egos at the door because the only way we're going to work together and do this is as a team. And with that, there can't be any eyes, right? So it has to really be uh, a team effort. And that's what really Moon, Moon embodied. And as again, as a young faculty back, uh, you know, many moons ago, that really made a big impact on myself. And um, what's been great as a participant is that is seen as we kind of put all these patients in all of our patients, all the different things that we did for them when we came to ACL surgery, um, now seeing the outcomes and now seeing uh, the impact that has had in ACL surgeries is quite impressive, right? So um, just to kind of give you an example, um, I, I used to be pretty much a hamstring only a physician. And I, I did that once I came here to OSU, I kind of said, okay, that's going to be my graph choice is what I was really, I uh, liked the most. And I remember as we started to get some of this data, uh, you know, a few years ago saying, you know what, hamstring maybe is not the best option for all patients, right? And there's certain patients where you really have to think about graph choice and what that graph choice is, can make a big impact on their ability to get back towards playing and potentially their retail rates. So I think that's, again, just kind of embodies, you know, one example of what the power of moon has been by collecting all these different sites, all these different physicians and having uh, enough numbers of that to where we can really look at the uh, different factors that influence outcomes. No, I love that. Check your ego at the door, right? I mean, one thing that we really do well in orthopedics is we have a tendency to make the same mistakes over and over again. Yep. And, you know, we think that we've changed something and we say that we're doing something differently, but at the end of the day, the numbers do not lie. And what's great about the moon, you know, the moon group in particular is the numbers are overwhelming now as far as the data that's rolling in. You can really, you know, generate significant outcome conclusions uh, for our patients. So kudos to all of the members of the moon. As a as a private practice physician, I get the benefit from that, but obviously I'm not contributing. But we do watch that carefully. Now sticking with the moon because I am really excited about a new implant with an ACL surgery that I've been taking a part of, which is the bear implant which is the bridge enhanced ACL restoration. We've talked about that on the show, which is that collagen implant that we put inside the knee instead of taking a graft. And the graft choices typically uh, are a hamstring or a quad tendon or a patellar tendon. Instead of taking those, we put this 
this marshmallow of a collagen thing inside and we wait for the body to regrow an ACL. And I have to say, you know, I was a little skeptical, but I've been watching some of my little baby ACLs growing on MRI and they look pretty good at six months and nine months. But there is the bare moon study, which is great because this is now a randomized controlled trial looking at the bare implant versus the gold standard, if you will, the BTB. So where are we there? I know it's probably too early to provide data insight, but that's an exciting study, I think. Yeah, it really is. And, and I'll put my plug out there for all your listeners. If, if you have an ACL tear and you're willing to be part of a, a wonderful study, uh, please you know see one of the sites for the Bear Moon. We still need enrollment for this because as uh, Scott was saying, it's really important. You know What we're trying to do is provide the science that allows us to know, number one, is this the right procedure to be done? And who is the right person for this to be done, which is equally as important. And then, you know, finally, is it going to improve um, our outcomes down the road, right? So I think, uh, Scott, I think both you and I have been amazed with some of the wonderful uh, basic science and literature that's been done by Martha Murray in this area. It is truly an amazing uh, product. And, you know, the, the long-term goal is hey, does this potentially decrease your chance of arthritis? I mean, that would be a home run, you know, uh, for, for any of these type of things. So um, that takes time for us to get that answer. But you're right, you know, all the previous studies were looking at hamstrings. And now we really want to look again as, as one of those gold standards with BTB and does it make a difference? So, you know, part of that study, I'm really excited as I can share my experiences like you, um, been very impressed uh, with the bare moon and in how it's been uh, behaving with my patients as well. Those baby ACLs are doing well. <laughs> baby ACLs, don't you love that? So, but, you know, it's, it's exciting. So, I mean, how long is it going to take for us to get the data that we need to be able to, let's forget about arthritis for a moment, but where do you think, how long is it going to take us to get the data to be able to say, all right, this is how bear is truly competing against BTB or bone patellar bone? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think we're, we're still going to need probably another 18 months to hopefully uh, get through the enrollment for this. It, it may be even longer. And then you have to think about once enrollment is done, you have two-year outcomes. So that's two years from the point that enrollment is done. So we're still probably a good three, four years away uh, before we potentially have this data out. And what's remarkable about the study that's going to run, though, it's going to run for years, right? I mean, the preclinical studies taking a look at the bare implant uh, demonstrated, I believe it was in rabbits, but it showed that there's a decreased potential for arthritis in the knee by stabilizing the knee with this implant, which would really be quite profound. That's one of the, that's sort of the, the you know, the uh, what's the term we're looking for? But that's like, that's our gold standard of what we'd love to get to, right. where we could minimize arthritis down the road in our patients that have ACL injuries. Now, obviously, that's going to take five, six, you know, 10 years down the road. But you guys, I think, are prepared to do that, to be able to follow these patients out. Yeah, I think what's uh, what's been great about any, you know, a controlled trial, and we've been, you know, very blessed to be part of so many of these in the in the past is, you know, you have a great team around you. And with that great team, you can really kind of follow up with these and making sure that we get those long-term outcomes. I mean, that's a little bit with our patients too. They just need to be able to agree, hey, we're going to keep knocking out that door at that five-year, 10-year mark because we need this data to really help, you know, move science hopefully in a new direction. And so um, again, any of those, uh, your wonderful listeners out there, if they want to participate in this great study, please, uh, uh, find one of the sites. Yeah. And if you're good, you know, not everybody's from the Midwest. I know in the Midwesterners, you tell them to come back for a five-year follow-up. <laughs> they typically will show up. I don't know. So you gotta, if you sign up, you gotta make sure you're in it for the long haul people, because sure. we want that data. 
All right. So there's another cool thing that you're involved in, and I love it. I was sort of, you know, trying to research here as to what we we're going to talk about. But again, you know, Dave Flanagan, he's your guy if you're looking for that for that non-arthroplasty knee, uh, non-arthroplasty knee guy. So tell us about the MoxiMed Misha device. I think this sounds really exciting. Uh, let's tell our listeners what it is. It's uh, this little piston like hinge thing, which helps to take the pressure off the knee. Is this, you know, is this real? Does it look cool? Is it, uh-huh. what's your initial impression? But tell us, first of all, let's get the listeners up to date. What is it? Yeah. How do you put it in? And then what do you think's going on? Yeah, so MISHA is, stands for Medial Im, um, Implantable Shock Absorber uh, of the Knee. So uh, this is really, I think, uh, truly one of the studies I'm probably most excited about. And um, I've been in a, two of the different trials uh, with this company and their uh, previous, uh, the first trial I was in, uh, we had some issues with the implant, to be honest with you. And the company, you know, heard all of us from the surgeons and everything else said, okay, we're going to make this better. And really kind of then uh, came out with their uh, newer device, uh, which is what's going to kind of go through the FDA process at this point. And that's been working like a charm. And, and my, my patients have been truly just, uh, it, I'll be honest with you, it's really kind of given them a new chapter of their life. So, so what is it? What, what are we doing it for? If you think about um, arthritis, arthritis obviously can affect many of us. And sometimes it affects us when we're unfortunately a little bit younger. Um, we're maybe not at that uh, appropriate age candidate for a knee replacement, or maybe mentally you're just not ready for a knee replacement. And this is looking at that most common area of arthritis, which is that medial compartment or the inside part of your knee. And so if you have some joint space narrowing there, and it's not saying that, hey, I'm I'm already done. Like it's already bone on bone. We got these huge osteophytes, you know, that, that you need a knee replacement. These are kind of that more uh, mid to moderate types of uh, arthritic changes. And you're just having pain you failed everything else. That's the patient that we were looking for with this uh, trial. And you put this shock absorber, you just have that mental picture of your car shock absorber. You think of that in a smaller version that you kind of anchor to your bone with some screws on your femur and your tibia. Um, and that kind of sits outside the knee joint, but underneath the skin. And so as you're walking, it takes, uh, about 20, uh, uh, five pounds to 50 pounds of pressure off that knee. And so it really kind of takes some of that, uh, strain that you would feel in the meal compartment off. And it really looks like a shock absorber when you're actually weight bearing on it. Um, doesn't work when you're sitting down because most people don't have much pain when you're sitting down. It's more when you're up and moving. Uh, and it's really been, uh, an amazing, uh, amazing journey with some of my patients seeing how it's uh, gotten them back towards activities and walking and doing a lot of things that they weren't able to do. So that's awesome. So again, I always like to repeat so everybody understands. So it's for moderate knee arthritis on the inside of your knee. Primarily you're not a candidate yet for an arthroplasty, but yet you're having pain and discomfort and you make a small incision in the skin parts. And then you put this device in, you put two screws in, into the femur two screws into the tibia, and then you close the skin over top. And that's the surgical procedure. It looks like it's not more than about a half hour to be able to do something like that. And then basically you got yourself a shock absorber walking around to take the pressure off of the inside of your knee where your knee pain is. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, let's face it. I mean, it's actually something new, which is, which is, you know, what I like, you know, in the United States, we're not really big fans of osteotomies. We have a bunch of people that do the high tibial osteotomy where you cut the bone to take the pressure off and shift it over. This sounds like a poor man's uh, high tibial osteotomy that 
doesn't require all this crazy healing. And I'm assuming, can they be weight bearing right away? I mean, there's screws in the bone. Weight bearing right away. And so that's, uh, that's what's really unique about this is that you can put pressure on it right away. Um, and we had people uh, pretty much off of crutches within two weeks and, and kind of starting to fly from that point forward. And that's amazing. So you can't do a sham study with this, though. I mean, you're like making an incision and putting something in, right? I mean, how was the study de- designed for the FDA to try and get approval? Yeah, that's a great question, Scott. So they, they actually looked at con- um, historical controls in one of their old trials with high typical osteotomy. And so they compared it compared to that. And, you know, the stats, the study, it's really amazing. It was just presented um, at obviously the uh, recent uh, ortho summit. Um, but it, it really showed that in all aspects that it outperformed in, compared to an HTO. Um, so that's really exciting. And again, as you said, we're, we're not as much HTO people here in the United States. So I think this will really appeal to a lot of people, not only our patients, but our surgeons as well. So can people still enroll in this study as well? Are you looking for participants? No, no, unfortunately that's closed. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's in the FDA's hands, right? And so now I think all of us are in what I would call eager anticipation. We're really hoping that we see um, the FDA kind of uh, give a favorable decision on this. But, you know, again, it's in their hands. They're, they're doing their job, which is making sure it's going to be safe and efficacious for all of our patients going forward. Um, but, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll know in, in the, uh, I would say the next year, whether or not this is approved and we can start going uh, towards uh, using this in our patients. Is it a de novo approval or is it a 510k predicate clearance? I believe it's a de novo one, Scott. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's going to take some time. But no, this is, I mean, I, I was watching it and Andreas Gamal as well from, from HSS, I, I know is also a part of it. So I was at that OSEP meeting and really quite, quite it's very rare uh, in 25 years of clinical experience that I see something that I've actually never seen before and looks super cool. So I really hope that one gets across the finish line. That'd be great. Well, look, Dave, I know you've got to get to the to the training room because you've got training room stuff going on with the clinic and with your with your players. We really can't thank you enough. I mean, on so many levels, when it comes to to knee and what's happening around the knee, when Dave Flanagan talks, that's the guy that I'm listening to. Uh, really appreciate your time and energy on the academic side of proving the outcomes and the science behind this, the education that you do for your fellows and your residents, but also your advanced professional education that you do for other doctors as well. We greatly appreciate all your efforts in the orthopedic space. Scott, thanks so much. And thanks for all you do too. And giving this information to so many people. Um, always great to talk to you. Before we finish, I got to throw it out. You're going to finish for me. O-O-H-I-O, baby. <laughs> there you go. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the pro, host of the Ortho Show. Until next time.